we are going, getting ready to go into a, are you ready for this 10-week, and I'm telling you, this is exciting, a 10-week series, I know you're excited, uh, <laughs> through the book of James. Uh, I love James. And so uh, I want to just share with you right out of the gate how you can get the most out of these next 10 weeks, okay? Uh, number one, read. I want to challenge you to read the book of James every week for 10 straight weeks. And you're like, you have got to be kidding me. It's, it's five chapters. It'll take you 20 minutes. Uh, but I'm telling you, the more times you read through James, you'll re realize just how powerful it is. Number two, feed. Not just to read it, but every week, just take a small section of James, and it's all broken up for you. For example, this week, if you want to just focus on James chapter 1, we're going to get into the, the tail end of James 1 next week, but just focus on it and pray through it. So you read it and then just kind of slowly begin to pray through sections of James and then lead. Read, feed, and lead. Now, here's what I mean by lead. I would love for some of you to just, just take the initiative, contact a friend from here or a family member, somebody at work, and just say, hey, uh, the minister where I attend, I don't like him, but I like the challenge. And his challenge was, as I'm reading through James, would you read through James with me? And then let's just back and forth, just share, what are we learning about James? All of you here can lead that way. Uh, you can turn around and say, why doesn't somebody do that? Well, guess what? You are somebody. And so if God lays that on your heart, contact somebody today and say, hey, would you go th with this 10-week journey with me? And as I work and pray through James, uh, let's talk about it together and see what God will do. James is going to be awesome. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we stand before you and we're so humbled. Uh, the worship has just drawn us to your throne. Uh, we thank you for Matt's testimony. We thank you for uh, being so honest about uh, something as painful as cancer. And Lord, we just praise you for this book that uh, is so relevant for today to strengthen our faith. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Uh, if you're taking notes, that's another challenge. Um, uh, I'm sure you know this already, but uh, I battle uh, ADD. Anybody else ADD? <laughs> yeah, those ones that raise their hand real quick. You're ADD? Okay. So what helped me years ago is I take notes. And so I just want to challenge you, just, just take notes or pretend you're taking notes. And uh, right there in your bulletin, some of these things are there that you can write some notes. But this is a very first question, it's in your notes, and that is simply, who wrote the book of James? Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Uh, we got some folks here from our youth group. You're thinking uh, uh, James, maybe, perhaps. <laughs> well, there are at least five James. That name James is very popular. Uh, but the scholars have gone through an elimination process, basically, with uh, that style of writing and when it was written. And James is the half-brother of Jesus. Now, why do I say half-brother? This is where it gets complicated. Uh, Jesus and James did not have the same father. You follow my drift? Joseph, Holy Spirit, okay? But they were brothers. And then this is one of the things that we forget. We, we share about the life of Jesus, but how often do we talk about Jesus before his public ministry? You realize that for 30 years, Jesus was the eldest child of this large family. He was God, but he was also what? Human, okay? 
and that's so important. Matter of fact, in Matthew 13, verses uh, uh, 55 and 56, it says this, uh, the religious leaders of the day said, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers, here we go, James, Joseph, Simon, Judas, or Jude, aren't all his sisters with us? In other words, they're saying, why is he capable of these amazing miracles? He's just like us. I mean, he has a mom, he has a dad, he has a large family. They can't figure it out. But it identifies the birth order, and James is born right after Jesus, which puts him right in that category of a middle child. Now, one of the things over the years uh, that I've enjoyed studying uh, is uh, birth order, okay? And maybe some of you have studied this too. So I'm just going to briefly share uh, some of the characteristics of some of the the birth order in families. So first of all, oldest. Uh, how many oldest in your family? Raise your hand. Yeah. Uh, here we go. A lot of oldest. For, uh, perfectionist. These are, now these are generalizations, okay? Uh, overachievers, responsible, controlling, <laughs> cautious. So if you're the oldest, sometimes that's characteristics. The middle child is, <laughs> raise your hand if you're a middle child. Yeah. Adaptive. They're people pleasers, independent. They don't like the oldest sibling. Okay, so that's usually there. <laughs> now, I'm the, you know my story. I'm the youngest of seven. My mom was 42 when I was born. I'm God's gracious gift, John, which I think is Greek for I'm in trouble. So anyway, here's, here's, uh, here's if you're an only child, you don't have to raise your hand. You've, you've got enough insecurity. So anyway, um, if you're an only child, confident, conscious, you want to be the center of attention, um, and you're very sensitive. <laughs> See, they're not even close <laughs> when I think about me. That isn't even close. Okay, now, set that aside and think about this. Your oldest brother is Jesus. Now, think about that, seriously. So, you've got a guy that for 30 years watched Jesus who wrote this book. Can you imagine what he experienced? I mean, imagine your oldest brother is Jesus. Can't you just see the argument that they have? And James is really riled up, and he said, oh, you know what your issue is? You have a Messiah complex. <laughs> and Jesus said, you have no idea. But imagine, seriously, growing up, and Jesus is your sibling. He's your brother. Imagine all of the conversations that he wished he had never had, the comments that he had made. Imagine how many times he wished, oh my land, I remember the time that I rejected my own brother. We know that. If you want to read one of the most heartbreaking scriptures, it's John chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. It's there that we find the brothers of Jesus gather and they advised Jesus to leave where he was at currently and go to Judea during a very busy time, during a festival, which meant they were actually asking Jesus to go to a dangerous section, to go to, to a location where they knew he would be in danger. And then in verse 5 of that text, it says they didn't believe in him. Think about that. His own brothers, they didn't believe in Jesus. And then you have Jesus in Matthew 10 and other verses where the family was there together. And you know they didn't get this. And he said, 
they were yelling out from the crowd, who are your brothers and sisters? You remember what Jesus said? My brothers and sisters are the folks basically that follow me. That's who my brothers and sisters. Now, I'm sure that set well with the family. Seriously, they're like, is he rejecting us? No. What Jesus is saying, and here's what all of us have experienced. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean that everybody in your family accepts Jesus Christ. And some of you right now, that's the pain you're carrying into this place. You may be the only believer in your family. And does that cause tension? You bet it does. You know, I mentioned to you I'm the youngest of seven, and my sisters all came to Christ. Um, my brothers, later on in life, they came to Christ, but I cannot tell you how many family reunions, especially as I approached my senior year, and my brothers were all, we're talking hard workers, factory workers. They're like, so John, what are you going to do? I'm going to go to Bible college and be a minister. <laughs> Seriously, what are you going to do? You know, and I remember that really uneasy feeling of, the, I remember the look. They'd be like, what do you mean you're going to go be a minister? Some of you are feeling the very same tension. That's why James 1.1 is so important. We need to also understand who the author was speaking to. James, a servant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Don't move too quickly from that verse. You notice what James calls himself? I'm just a servant of God and of the Lord. Jesus is no longer his brother. Jesus is Lord of his life. And he's writing to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Uh, they, many scholars think James might have actually been the first New Testament book written. Now, here's what's interesting. James is writing to Jewish believers. That's his target audience. Now, imagine if you're a Jewish Christian. Imagine how confused that is. And why were they scattered? Why were the 12 tribes scattered? Anybody want to guess? Persecution. So they're scattered all over the world. And James says, listen, you got to hang in there because it's hard. I know for those of you that have Jewish friends, they've rejected you because now you've accepted Jesus Christ. And the Christians now, they reject you because you are still adhering to Jewish festivals. And so you feel like you're isolated and you're on an island. And that's why, again, as you read through James, you're like, oh, I get it. I get why he keeps talking about hang in there and perseverance and trials and temptations because they need encouragement. And that's why this book resonates with so many people. That's why it resonates with me. I read through James and I'm like, man, is James hanging out with me? Does he know what I'm going through? And I truly believe he does. Is the book of James relevant today? Absolutely. It's relevant because he knew Jesus long before anybody else truly knew Jesus. It's relevant because he doubted Jesus all the way to the cross. Now, there are times in life that we doubt. And he experienced firsthand the unconditional love and grace of Jesus. Here's a wonderful scripture if you're writing this down. It's 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8. When Jesus died, and then after the resurrection, we know exactly what Jesus did. Don't you love this? There is a sequence of who he visited. Now listen to the sequence. First of all, Jesus appeared to Peter. Then he appeared to the 12. Then he appeared to over 500 followers. Now get this, 
And then he appeared to, guess who? James. One-on-one. -on -one. Wouldn't you have loved to heard that conversation? Matter of fact, I think one of the things that Jesus shared was, James, seriously, quit crying. Because you know James is like, I'm so sorry when I was 14 and I called you all those names. And I'm so sorry I doubted you. I'm so sorry I, I never lifted you up. As, I mean, I, I think Jesus just held him and said, James, you know I love you like a brother. But now the relationship's going to get even deeper than it's ever been before because the blood that we share is the greatest blood. Do you understand that? And I think James is like, I will die for you because we see the rest of his life. That's exactly how he lived. I love this description as you're reading the book of James. James is like, uh, if you like the Bourne movies, it's, this is like reading a, a Bourne movie. It starts immediately, it jump starts, and it's like, and I love this, uh, James wrote as if his pen was running out of ink, urgency. And as you read his words, you're like, man, James, take a breath. He can't. He's like, no, you don't understand. Persecution is at our doorstep. Matter of fact, he knew his life was going to be short-lived. So James wrote like a, a man whose hair was on fire. And he's like, I mean, you got to get this. And I hope we get it this morning. So let's pick it up. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Matt shared this, and I love this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it what? Did you catch that? Pure joy. Now, you ever think about that makes absolute no sense. That in the midst of the struggles that we go through and our trials, our temptations to experience pure joy. Well, let me tell you what. Joy is not. It's not happiness. It's not happiness. You know what happiness means? It's uh, from the Latin word happenstance. In other words, if this happens, I'll feel good today. Now imagine living every day that way. If this happens and this happens, because what happens is what you think is going to happen isn't going to happen, okay? So you live on this teeter-totter every day, and you just basically make yourself miserable. So he said, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about happiness. And we live in a world obsessed with happiness. On Amazon, you can find over 200,000 books and products that will provide happiness. What a joke. No product or book is going to give you happiness. That's not what we're all about. Matter of fact, um, I'm going to get, can I step on a couple toes? I'm going to get in trouble, but here we go. Again, I was in youth minister for 20 years. Here's what drove me crazy when parents say this. All I want for my child, I just want them to be happy. God could care less if your child's happy. That's not our mission in life that our kids are happy. Our mission in life is that our kids will experience the joy of Jesus Christ. Because there's going to be days when, guess what? They're not happy. Remember those conversations? I had plenty of those with my mom. Mom, I'm just not happy. And she'd say, huh tough, tough. You know, I don't care. When you're 18, leave. You know, I, we had some good times. Good, good love family. I mean, some of you had the same conversations. And I love what James is saying there about this joy and about trials. He said, listen, it's not an option. 
you are going to experience trials. And what kind of trials? He says, whenever the trials come of many kinds, various kinds of trials. Even this week, if you look back and if you wrote down and talked to some friends and said, you know, when Monday started, this were the, these were the trials I was facing. And then Friday, soon you're like, nope, I'm facing more trials. There's more issues. There's struggles that I'm battling. So let me just briefly share with you the difference between happiness and joy. So it's a few pictures here. Here's happiness. Happiness, biscuits at Bob Evans. I don't know if you like biscuits at Bob Evans, but recently, here's the difference between happiness and joy. Here's joy. They have a menu. Here we go. 55 and over. Hello. Yeah, that's joy. Okay. Okay. Uh, here's the next one. Happiness is a nap. How many of you are loving nap? Good. Yeah, here we go. But joy is when my new granddaughter, Lydia, takes a nap with me. That's joy. And all of us go through life pursuing happiness, and God's like, no, no, don't pursue happiness. Pursue joy. See, joy is this inward strength that when outside our world, world is falling apart, inside Jesus Christ lives. And James said, that's all you need. You need that kind of joy. You need to persevere because the trials, and then he goes on in the, later in the chapter in verses 13 and 14, he talks about temptations. You're going to battle temptations. You're going to battle trials. And in the midst of that, Jesus is there. Beth Moore made this uh, observation. I thought this was great. She said, uh, trials, and he talked about various kinds of trials. One of the Greek words for trials is this word, P-E-I-R-A-T-E-S. And she said, you know, all you have to do is take the E out, and it's the word pirate. And she said, here's what happens. The trials and the temptations come in life, and just like a pirate, it steals our security, our dignity, our dreams if we are not rooted in the joy of Jesus Christ. And that's true. You want to see what a Christian is made out of? It's not when things are going well. It's when life is falling apart outside. Matter of fact, think of the people who've had the greatest influence in your life. And here's what I guarantee. You've watched them go through the storms. And you've watched how they've come through the storms with joy. Not happiness, you know, Matter of fact, it drives me nuts when somebody's life's falling apart and they're like, man, seriously, how are you doing? Praise Jesus, I'm just doing great. Quit it. <laughs> just, ser ser honestly, it's hard right now, but God's good. See, that's joy. And Jesus said that joy is there for all of us, not just joy, pure joy. So here, here's how you get that. It's not a quick fix. Two words, perseverance and wisdom. I love this uh, definition. Perseverance is he heroic endurance. Heroic endurance. It's just that, that I am going to hang in there, that Jesus is going to help me hang in there. And uh, many times people, uh, here's the counsel, and I've shared these words, is uh, just one day at a time. How many of you have heard that word, just one day at a time? But how many of you have gone through struggles that it's not a day at a time? It's a minute at a time. We've all been there. Uh, and at those times when you cling to Jesus Christ, that's what it means to persevere. That's the endurance that he talks about. That's what Matt's testimony is all about. 
that when you hear the word cancer, that you're seeking this inner strength that comes through Jesus Christ, perseverance and wisdom. This book is just so loaded, but let me just share a few words about godly wisdom. In the message, Proverbs 4, 6-7 says this. I love this. Sell everything and buy wisdom. Forge for understanding. Forge for understanding. Don't forget one word. Don't deviate an inch. Never walk away from wisdom. She guards your life. Love her. She keeps her eye on you. Above all and before all, do this. Get wisdom. Write this at the top of your list. Get understanding. James 1, 5 and 6 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously without finding fault. And it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. You see what James said, and he does this all the time. He said, I want you to see this word picture that if you are not striving towards godly wisdom, you're just going to drift through life. I've heard people over the years, and they'll just say, man, I, I can't describe my relationship with God other than I just feel like I'm going through the motions, or I feel like I'm just drifting. He doesn't want us to drift. He wants us to cling to his wisdom, and he wants us to move forward. I love this quote, wisdom is a good teacher, especially if it's other people's experience. Wisdom is a good teacher, especially if it's other people's experience. You don't have to make the same mistakes. You know, I will say, one of the advantages of being the youngest of a large family is there were six screw-ups in front of me, and I could say, don't do that, or you'll end up like Janice, don't do that, or I'll end up, you know, I've got, like, God... In the birth order, he placed my, my next sister, Linda. She's like Mother Teresa, the most godly woman. And then the fieriest one was the next sister. And we always say, you know, God is so wise because honestly, one of us wasn't going to make it out alive. I mean, I remember us having these conversations because we made some really unwise decisions. But we can learn from other people's mistakes, hence the Bible. The Bible is nothing but stories about Wisdom and what happens when you don't do it God's way. And God lets us see it doesn't matter who you are. If you don't follow God's wisdom, your life will fall apart. Now, we have a lot of examples of what I call the lack of wisdom. There's actually, this is hard to believe, it's called the Darwin Awards. Anybody familiar with the Darwin Awards? The Darwin Awards are for um, less than wise people who do interesting things, and this is sad, but have actually died uh, making bad decisions, okay? So here's a couple of examples. Um, every year now, there's an average of 259 people who die from dangerous selfies. Now, think about that. Uh, we, we just got back uh, from spring break a few weeks ago uh, around the Grand Canyon. I get this. I cannot tell you how many times, you know, I'm like, Dude, why are you taking a selfie leaning back over a canyon, you know? But people are crazy. But here's one, an individual that won a couple of years ago. A uh, very sad story. Um, at the end of a hard day, him and his buddies got together, and he sat at a kitchen table, uh, took uh, the glass that he thought was bourbon, drank it, and realized, that's not bourbon, it's gas. 
and uh, spit it out. Good news, he spit it out. And then to calm down, he uh, lit up. <laughs> it didn't end well. Okay. That's not wisdom. That's not wisdom. I know what you're all like. Wow, that's a terrible way to go. Yeah. Huh? Now, folks, here's what happens. Seriously. We go through life and we decide we're going to do it our way. Uh, I tell you what, when you walk away from God's wisdom, you are in dangerous territory. And that's what James is saying. You read all through James 1, he said, man, you've got to allow God to move in your life. Because if not, this wave will roll in and you'll be blown and tossed by the wind. You'll follow every little new teaching. You'll, you'll follow things that you know you shouldn't do. You'll chase products. You'll chase happiness. And at the end of it all, you'll say, man, how did I ever get so far away from God? It's easy. Because you didn't listen to the very wisdom of God that helps us make the tough decisions with our trials and with our temptations. Matter of fact, there's a wonderful little book uh, by Andy Stanley, and it's called The Best Question Ever. The Best Question Ever. And if you got a pen and you're not going to write anything else down, write this down. Because this may save your bacon someday. I'm serious. Okay, you ready? Here it is. When you're trying to make a really difficult life decision, here's all you need to do. Take a deep breath, and here's the question. In light of my past experiences and my present circumstances, my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my past experiences and my present circumstances, and my future hopes, what is the wise thing to do? I tell you, I wish I'd asked myself that about a hundred times or more throughout my life. To step back, take a deep breath, and just simply say, is this the wise thing to do? Wise by whose standards? God's. Think of how many headaches we would save if we were that serious about God's wisdom. Here's what I love about God, and I love about the book of James. He uses these everyday objects and uh, surroundings to drive home points. So he, he takes, for example, a wave, and he says, okay, we've all seen waves, and we all know what it's like to see people floating on those waves, and they're drifting. But here's something else about a wave. A wave produces a tide, and God, the creator of the waves, produces the tide. And a while back, I was thinking about this chapter. And as you know, I, I like movies way too much. And a movie years ago that uh, was actually one of my favorite movies is uh, Tom Hanks. It was the movie Castaway. And uh, matter of fact, Tom Hanks was interviewed, and he said, outside of the United States, you would think that Forrest Gump, he said, I've played some classic characters. But he said, the number one thing people yell at me all around the world. Anybody want to guess? Wilson. Wilson! He goes, I can always tell. Yeah, I'm the guy that was in Wilson, you know. And so if you know anything about the movie, Wilson was a, his only friend on this island. It was a volleyball. Okay, very sad when Wilson floated away. If you haven't seen the movie, sorry about that. Okay, so. <laughs> but there was this, there was a scene at the end of that movie, and I mean, it has stuck with me. And he's on this island for years, and he, he survives, and he's He's saved, he's rescued, and he's brought home. 
but everything in his life has changed. I mean, you can only imagine if you've been away and you've come back. I, I, I can just tell you, I was at Sherwood Oaks for nearly nine years. We went away 11 years, came back, and we honestly thought things were going to be the same. Nothing was the same. Why? People change. We all change. And he's trying to figure it out. And he's just like, oh, my land. And I remember he has this conversation with this friend trying to figure it out. And this is what he said. And I love this because he realized that the woman that he loved had married somebody else. He's, he, he's got to move on and she's got to move on. Here's what he said. I know what I have to do now. I just have to keep breathing because the sun will rise and who knows what the tide could bring. And he reflected that the whole reason he got off of that island is every day a tie would bring something else in and eventually it brought him enough supplies to make a little boat and to try to get off of that island. You know who brings that tide? God. Just about the time you want to give up, just about the time you think, I have no answers, all of a sudden God's tide brings something in and you're like, oh God, I can use that. Or God, thank you for giving me one more breath. Thank you for giving me one more chance. Thanks for giving me one more day. And that's what God does time after time after just about the time you think, God, I'm useless. The tide rolls in and all of a sudden there's hope. That's what Jesus Christ does. And that may be where some of you are at right now. You're just saying, God, I just need to know you're there. I'm battling these trials. I'm battling these temptations and I just don't think I'm strong enough and then you surrender to God, guess what? The tide rolls in, and God just gives you that one more day that you need. And then you just start getting a little bit stronger. Not because of you. It's the joy that you find in Jesus Christ. What I absolutely love is something we do here every week. When we talk about God and surrendering to Him through our trials and temptations, we break bread together. And we drink juice together. We call this communion. And I've had people over the years from other backgrounds who say, I don't know why you guys do this every week. And as some of you grew up in church backgrounds, that you don't do communion every week. And I understand that. But one of the reasons we do that is we're trying to just say, what did the early church do when they gathered in their homes and they broke bread with one another? But I'll tell you why I do love breaking bread every week. Because I don't know about you, but there's not a week go by that I haven't faced trials and temptations. There's not a week go by that I'm crying out to God for what he says in James is God's perfect gift. And this morning when you approach the table, it's your opportunity in the craziness of this world to say, God, I want faith in you. I want you to bring the gifts to my life and I really want to pay attention. I want to be wise. And I want to surrender to you. And I want to just take time to forget all the, the garbage of my life. And I just want to focus on you. In just a moment, if you're visiting, we have four areas that you can break bread and take communion and drink juice. And if you need help, you raise your hand and we'll bring communion to you. Let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you. And uh, life is just loaded with uh, trials, various trials and temptations. Uh, 
so many things to pull us away from you, but Lord, we cling to you and your wisdom. Lord, help us to persevere. Lord, help us to move closer to you. And Lord, as we approach these tables, we are so grateful that you have given us a second chance, that you love us. You will never give up on us. Lord, because of that and because of your son, we give it all back to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.